teacher. John, are you there? I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I am so glad to welcome. And and do you go by John David or do you go by John? Just John is fine. Either one. My dad calls me John David, but John is fine. Okay. Well, some people only get called by their first and middle names when they're in trouble. Exactly. So yeah. I didn't want to do that to you. I have to give a little bit of background um, about how you and I came into contact with each other, and it it was such an awesome uh, experience for me. I uh, last January I was uh, on a trip and and was you know trying to figure out where I was going in my life, and and a lot of things had been very very difficult the previous year in uh, a business that my husband and I had started. And I got to the airport late. My flight was uh, actually canceled, and I had to take a much later flight. And I walked by the bookstore, and I walked in the door that I always walk in. And right there on the corner of the table was this little red book called The Go-Giver. And I thought, what an interesting title. And, you know, uh, as it goes through, you know, it's got all of the different commentary on the back. Uh, and, and really the whole premise is is that we are trained to be go-getters and that this was all about giving and how it could actually transform your business. And I picked up the book, uh, and between Atlanta and Tampa, I actually finished it. Uh, it's, a, it's an allegorical book, and, and it's not very long. Um, but when I landed, I felt transformed. And I don't know whether I sent John uh, an email that night or went on to his uh, website then or, or in the morning, but first thing, I just had to tell him uh, and his co-author, Bob Berg, how impactful this book was for me. And in my introduction at the beginning of the show, I, I mentioned, uh, John, that uh, I can't keep this book on my shelf because I keep giving it away. <laughs> and so, you know, I started buying it in bulk uh, so that I could give it away. And uh, I am just so delighted to have you as my guest, uh, particularly because this is the inaugural show on giving uh, on the Solutions Live uh, Broadcasting Network, and I just can't think of a better guest than you. And this is very close to the first anniversary of our first contact, so there you go. It's been a year. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, first of all, when did you meet Bob? Had you guys known each other for a while, and and this project was something that uh, you know was the first collaborative effort, or had you done other things together? We had worked together before. Um, I had known Bob for some years. Uh, Bob is a writer. Bob is a, is a sales trainer and a speaker, and he writes uh, articles for a magazine that I happened to be editor in chief of at the time, a magazine called Networking Times. And so I knew uh, Bob knew me as the guy who edited his articles and. In, in the process of editing, you know, most of the times I, I take articles and I, and I do what I do with them. Most of the times I never hear from the authors. But occasionally an author goes back and says, you changed my words. My, you put them back the way they were. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't happen very often. But now and then uh, a writer will, an author will, will email me and say, yeah. oh, my gosh, you made this so much better. Thank you so much. This has happened twice, and one of those times is Bob Berg. Um, Bob has such a, such a great appreciation for, for books and for writing. So I had edited stuff of his over the years, but we had never done anything like this before. Uh, Bob contacted me a few years ago and said, look, you know, I had edited a book for him, and he had really loved working together. He said, I have this idea for a book, but I can't write this book. I need to have you write this book. 
And I gotta tell you, Chick, the truth is, I, I, um, we've never spoken live. Do I say Chick? Chicky. Chicky. I, w- I just realized I didn't know. We've never spoken. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I said, you know, I, I couldn't see it. It's so funny. Looking back, I did not think this book was going to work. And I said, Bob, I don't know. You know, I just, mm. I kind of procrastinated and put him off as nicely as I could for about six months. <laughs> And then the thing, what I finally said was, you know. But he was determined. <laughs> he was determined, and also I trust Bob. It's like, this is Bob. It's Bob's idea. I don't think it's going to work, but if he thinks it work, I should take a look at it. So I finally visited him, and he lives in Florida, and went down, spent a few days, and we spent uh, oh, probably a few hours one afternoon kicking these ideas around. Um, and that was something clicked, something sparked, and that was the birth of the book. So tell us a little bit about the story. The story is, of course, called The Go-Giver. It starts out, chapter one is called The Go-Getter. And it's about a young man named Joe. He's an average Joe, an ordinary Joe, who is uh, struggling, working really hard. He's a good guy. He's a go-getter. He's ambitious, and he's got great goals, but something's just not gelling. It's not working, and he seems to be struggling harder and falling further behind. So it's kind of a, he starts the he starts the story in a tough place. This is one of those stories, and I find that this happens all the time. It happened with me and Bob Berg. You know, Bob brought me this idea, and I thought this is not going to work. I didn't see it, but often the best opportunities in our lives come to us sort of from an oblique angle, from a place that we don't expect it. I call it the law of left field. Things come out of left field. Mm-hmm. You don't think they're going to come. You don't see them coming. And if you have your blinders on, you could miss it. You have to be open to possibility. Um, At the time, I had no plans to be an author of books. I was pursuing a career as a screenwriter, and this project of Bob's was a distraction for me. But thank heavens, um, you know, I kept myself open to it. We did it, and it's it's launched a career. So Hmm. back to Joe. Joe has an idea. He's going to pursue this gentleman who's supposed to be a very wise business consultant in hopes of getting some clout and leverage. Um, Joe's going after one thing. What he doesn't realize is that in his pursuit, he's going to bump into something very different, which turns out to be a much bigger prize, which is these laws um, of the go-giver. Tried to make that brief. Wow. No, I mean, that's great. And, and, uh, I do want to want to talk about those laws. I love though your law of left field because I I feel like that's right exactly where my husband and I are uh in our lives because you know we were in pursuit after this this business uh failure that we have just gone through and and, and it's a temporary failure because we still have uh, fortunately all of the assets of of the technology that we built over the course yeah. of the last two and a half years. Um but we are we are at a place where we had to say, okay, now what? And and uh, it's funny. Um, I had started this group called the Executive Girlfriends Group uh, six months ago, and I bring together the top executive women of the travel industry every Friday for a ninety-minute phone call. And you know, it, it's very much a labor of love. It wasn't something that I got into, you know, to make money from. But what happened is I started looking for speakers for my calls. And, you know, for a while we were uh, just limiting that to women. 
Um, so I put out a request for speakers uh, through a group that I belong to, and I got 150 responses. And I only had eight spots to fill. So I essentially, you know, culled it down, took the best eight, and threw the rest away. Well, I did this again in January because I needed to fill my first quarter, and I got 150 proposals again. And so, you know, two weeks ago, again, right out of left field, uh, you know, I'm sitting in my, my living room and, and, you know, here comes this idea for this broadcast that we're now on. And, and I mean, this was three weeks ago. <laughs> so, um, I believe that that is a, actually a very powerful law and that, you know, there are things in our periphery or, or assets that we're sitting on and whether that's talents, uh, or, you know, product, uh, or, you know, what, what I have in this whole, uh, great network of people that I know. Um, so tell us, tell us a little bit more, uh, just briefly about the other laws that are outlined in the book. The, the basic underlying idea of the book is, um, gosh, if I could put the, the sort of the, the theme of the book overall in a nutshell, it's this, it's that living with generosity, living generously, creates a rising tide that raises everyone's ships, not just yours and not just the other guys. And, and this is, you know, you might hear that and say, yeah, that makes sense, of course. But the truth is, I think that we're all kind of inculcated with this idea. We have this deep, uh, uh, almost sort of cultural mythology drummed into us that it's better to give than to receive. In fact, this is really funny. We've had book reviews of highly intelligent, literate reviewers who have said in their reviews, this is a great book. It really illustrates the principle that it's better to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. In fact, in the book, we emphatically say that's not the case. But um, we've been drummed in to believe that giving and receiving or that being generous and being self-interested are contradictory. You can't do both. That either, you know, the world is filled with people who are good and service-oriented. They're firefighters, they're teachers, they're moms, they're coaches. They're people who get paid way too little and do a lot for other people and are very selfless. Right? Those are the good people. And then you've Mm -hmm. got the bad people, which is business people who make a lot of money. And it's kind of like that's never the twain shall meet. That's a mythology. It's mm-hmm. just not true, but we tend to believe it. So we have these expressions like um, nice guys finish, finish last. It's a dog-eat-dog world, you know. It, it, and, and so that's what this whole book is aimed at, at breaking open. The, the theme of the book is not that it's better to give than to receive, but that the two have to happen together. They are two parts of one coin. I mean, you right. asked about the laws of the book, and we can get into those in particular, but the... The, the context of them is, Joe's a go-getter, and being a go-getter is not a bad thing. You said at the top of the show that we're all kind of trained to be go-getters. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for go-getters. I'm a go-getter. We're, you're a go-getter. A go-getter is someone who has ambition, who has aspirations, who has dreams, and has the drive to go after them. And I think that's great. But the opposite of a go-giver isn't a go-getter. The opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker. You know, someone who oh, is it. just taking, always looking out for themselves, um, whether they even realize it or not. But they're always thinking, now, how does this benefit me? The idea of a go-giver is to live by a principle of how can I add value to other people's lives. The very first law of the book is called the law of value. Um, and there are, there are five laws 
that the book spells out. And Joe meets five sort of uh, uh, teachers, uh, one by one, in, over the course of five days, and each one spells out a different law. And I don't want to give away too much of the book. But no, no, you don't need to. <laughs> no, you don't need to. I, I want to just uh, indicate that, uh, you know, this this book is not only highly uh, entertaining, but it, it it is so practical. And, uh, again, we don't need to go into the specific laws uh, that are outlined in the book. But I, I think that the principles that you talked about are just so so important, and and our ability to accomplish what we need to uh, in our lives, whether it's personal things like we just talked about with with uh, Amy and Philip uh, on on achieving a goal of health and wellness, or even you know back to the first segment that we had today with Rini Cavallari about life balance of that there there are ways to get there, and I I love talking about the go taker being the opposite of the go giver as opposed mm. to the go getter. Um, because it, it's really, it, you know, it starts with your orientation in, in your brain and, and that, that mental picture of what you paint uh, in front of you, which is, has been kind of the common theme today. And, uh, you know, what, what do you tell people today about giving when we are in a time just of unprecedented uh, economic pressure? Yeah. And, I mean, I, yeah. I, we were telling our kids last night at dinner, you know, just of of what they have to do to help us, you know, kind of keep our cool and 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 to be able to make it through these tough times. And we also told them that everyone else is in pretty much the same position. This yeah. isn't just happening in the Fitzgerald house. Um, and Michael and I both love to give. We love to give. Uh, you know. Uh, particularly of our money when we when we had a lot of it, and you know now we're at a place where uh, a lot of other entrepreneurs are of you know having invested a lot in something and not having all the money that you need to take it the rest of the way. Uh, so, what do you tell people about about giving and the dimensions of giving? Yeah, that's it's a great question, and it's it is of course it's so uh, poignant in this time. This is the, not only this is a really difficult time, and it's every indication is that it's only going to get tougher before it gets gets easier. Um, but it, this is also it sounds like a weird thing to say. This is also a time of extraordinary opportunity. That's always mm-hmm. the case when times are tough. There's also great opportunity. Um, and I don't mean opportunity at the expense of, and that's one of the one of the shifts in the book. It's not seeing opportunity as something that comes at the expense of others, but it's opportunity that comes in uh, partnership with others. Um, to answer your question, let me do the first law. The first law of the book is called the law of value, um, and it the the wording of it is. Uh, by the way, people can get these five laws for free on the website, thegogiver.com. So you don't have to write them down if you're trying to remember this. (laughs) The law of value is your true worth, it's how much your worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Mm -hmm. Now, when Joe first hears that, he he kind of does a, wait a second, that that sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. That sounds contradictory. How can you give more in value than you take in payment? As a business, let's be practical, but you go bankrupt pretty soon. Um, and you'd think so, but giving more value doesn't mean giving more stuff. It doesn't mean giving more money necessarily or giving more material. We use the example in the book of a restaurant, you know, a great restaurant. And by the way, a great restaurant could be a very high-priced dinner establishment or it could be a morning coffee shop. It doesn't have to be pricey to be great, but a memorable restaurant, the kind of place where you'd 
tell everybody you know about and you'd go back to regularly is a place that gives you far more in value, whether it's the taste of the food, the experience of the exchange with the waitstaff, the owner, the decor, the whole experience on whatever level. You get more out of that than you pay for the meal. A mediocre restaurant will grudgingly give you just as much as you pay for it. You pay five bucks, you'll get five bucks worth of food, and that's it. But a great restaurant will try to defy your imagination and give you more than you could possibly pay for. Some of my favorite restaurants have been diners, you know, pretty cheap little places, dollar-wise, but they were wonderful. Um, Great example on two scales of the coin, you you know, uh, a company like Southwest Airlines, cheapest flights available, or JetBlue, cheapest flights available, but they give extraordinary value for the money. They give value of the experience. I don't know if you ever fly Southwest, but... Oh, yeah. In fact, I just flew them uh, last week and, and was amazed at how they've uh, streamlined the whole boarding process. You know, my wife broke her leg, to her knee, two years ago. It was an awful break in 24 places. It was terrible, and for a year and a half, she really couldn't walk. So for a year and a half, we were flying around the country with her in a wheelchair, um, and we flew probably five or six different airlines. We flew Delta, American, we flew Northwest, we flew... And there was only one airline that really treated her the way we wanted to be treated. Put her on first, took care of her. They were so kind, they were so... They looked out for her. One of the higher-priced airlines, they stuck her in the back of the plane. She had to hobble down the entire loaded flight. Last, Couldn't believe it. Well, you can guess which airline we we tell people about that's because they give more in value right. and I, this is not i'm not shilling for one particular company but the right. point is there are as a business there are lots of ways that you can give value that don't mean you have to put out more money they mean you have to just give more value the same thing is true not just in business but in personal life i mean you think of as a parent how do you give more in value to your kids as a spouse how do you give more in value to your partner uh, as a friend um So in these difficult times, uh, it's interesting. As the economy began to melt down in September, um, sales of the go-giver started to kind of heat up, and we thought that was Mm. kind of fascinating. Wow, Uh, that's fascinating. Yeah, traffic on the the blog. We have this go-giver blog where um, often we we relate stories um, from people who've read the book and write write into us and say, well, this is what I did, and this is what happened, and this is how the impact it had on me. And we... um, we often put these stories on or people people write in and put them in comments. And traffic on the blog started heating up as well. Uh, I think what happens is that in difficult times, this happened right after 9-11, we saw it. In difficult times, people start to examine their lives more closely. They kind of ask themselves questions like, what's, what's really important in my life? What, what's, you know, what do I need to do? We take less for granted. And now with unemployment shooting up, um, and you know, tons of layoffs in every sector of, of every industry. People are en masse starting to say, "Wow, I got to depend on myself. I can't depend on my place of employee." Um, right. Even if we don't get laid off, even if we do keep our jobs, still there is the there is the sense of we really need to um, we need to take a look and and at our own resources and say, "What can we do to earn our keep?" But you know, it isn't just earning our keep. It's creating value. If you approach your work from the point of view of how can I create more value in the lives of others and in the lives of as many others as possible, how can I do that? That's when the law of left field will kick in. When you, when you live out of a law of value, 
stuff will come to you like it did to you out of left field. <laughs> that, that, will, that will enrich your life and create opportunities you never dreamed were possible because the world has bigger dreams than you. <laughs> oh, totally. And I, I said earlier, and I'll say it again, I have never had any aspirations to be a radio show host. You know, this isn't something that, you know, I, I dreamt about as a small child. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just something, uh, again, right out of left field. But I am so glad it came out of left field because I, have, I just haven't been this happy and this excited about something in a very, very amazing? long time. I, I, I just, one more sentence about that. You know, uh, in the book, just for, for uh, those who are listening, in the book, we never, I never anywhere mentioned the, the term left field. However, the law of left field is illustrated in the book on page 116. It's my favorite page in the book. When you get to that page, you will go, the penny will drop. And that's where Joe experiences just what Chickie is talking about and what we've all seen in our lives. Um, it'll, it'll absolutely, uh, you know, it, it's unerring. It almost can't, it's like gravity. It can't not work. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, you you don't know how long it's going to take, but it's worth being patient. Um, you know, we, you my what? husband and I were talking yesterday about uh, this concept that, that our pastor has been sharing with him about, you know, that if you know that there's a treasure buried somewhere and, and you, you kind of keep going to it and, and you, you know where the treasure is and you just keep going and taking a little bit and then going back and and, you know, just subsisting that way, you know, instead of looking at where the treasure is and buying the land around it, you know, yeah. and I mean, you have to do that metaphorically, you know, clearly. And, and we were trying to tell our kids last night, and they're like, where's the treasure buried? Yeah, you know, because yeah. my that husband was, said, you know, there's $2 billion worth of treasure. And he, he took the, we've got a, a centerpiece on our table that actually is in the shape of Peru, but it looked like uh, the bottom part of the state of Florida. He said, like, right in the middle of Florida, there's this $2 billion treasure. And I could just see my kids' brains, like, going that they wanted to get in the car and go find it. <laughs> but if we could do that metaphorically, maybe that's the next book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can I tell you a quick story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this just came in our blog last week. Uh, this here's the guy. This the uh, woman wrote about her. It was her ex-husband Bob. And uh, here's what happened. It's a, it's an example of a law of value. Uh, Bob worked in a family-owned business in New Jersey, a foundry business. And back in the 80s, uh, one night the family went out, and the night watchman lit a kerosene lamp that burned out of control, and the entire the foundry's entire production area was burned to the ground, and they were put out of business. So Bob is sitting here with his with nothing but sticks, rebuilding mm -hmm. his foundry, and he called uh, other foundries in the area to take their workload because they couldn't do anything while they were rebuilding. At one particular foundry, one guy made friends with him, and um, and he 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 took all the work, the orders he had. He made sure they got priority. He took really good care of the customers, and he he spoke well about Bob. And basically, he helped Bob get back on his feet. So years passed, and. Uh, Having not heard from the guy for many years, this guy called Bob uh, in the late 80s now to say he'd lost his job. Without being asked, Bob put the guy and his family on Bob's company's health insurance rolls and took care of them permanently until the guy could get work again. Mm. Uh, years later, the guy called Bob back and said, Hey, Bob, this is your friend. Thank you so much for all your help in, in the past. I've just been appointed officer of a new company. You're my first phone call. We have some business to do together, my friend. And he gave mm. Bob's foundry all the new company's work and made Bob, uh, you know, a, a very, well, I won't say a wealthy man, but a comparatively wealthy man. He had a huge amount of work. 
I mean, those are the kinds of, we all know those kinds of stories, where a good deed is returned. But it's, it's not just about a good deed. It's about looking for ways to add value to people's lives in any way that you can. Um, when I was a kid, my dad was very, very busy. He was a college professor. He was a conductor. He was an author. And he worked a lot at home. He was always very busy. Whenever I would knock on his door, he always had time. I didn't realize how busy he was until I was grown and looked back and thought, oh, my gosh. Um, but no matter what was going on, if I knocked on his door, he just he acted like he had nothing whatsoever to do but focus mm. on me. Wow. It may have only taken five minutes of his time each time that happened, um, but I never realized the impact on my life that that had until I was until I was a dad myself and looked back and said, "Oh my goodness, how did he do that?" It was a way to add value. Hmm. Well, that that speaks to me very strongly because I was sharing with my executive girlfriends group that I host on Fridays that you know since I moved home uh, my office home a year ago, we had to sell our offices as we were resolving. Uh, some of our investment issues. And, you know, I don't work any more now than I did then, but my kids always see me working, you know, because I happen to be in a, a loft area that doesn't have a wall. And, uh, you know, it's been really amazing. Um, you know, and, and I really have to be careful not to always be busy for them, but that, that really speaks to me. What what else do you see, uh, John, uh, in the feedback that you get, whether it's on, you know, people... Uh, you know, talking on your blog or, or calling you. Are, are there any other anecdotes that you can share with us? There, well, there, there are so many. Um, interesting piece of feedback we often get, though. This goes back to the laws of the book. Um, I share two more laws. Uh, there are five untold, but the fourth law is the law of authenticity, which says that the greatest give, gift you have to offer is yourself. And that speaks to, um, you know, to the story of Bob and the Foundry. Um, but the, the fifth law is the one I wanted to get this story about. Um, the last law is called the law of receptivity. And it is, for most people we found it's the hardest law to kind of get. That law says that the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Mm. And this is, this is what we see most, is that everyone knows it's good to give. Everyone knows it's nice to be generous. Everyone knows that it's good to be a good person. It's like, big deal. Like, <laughs> not much of an insight. Right. But again, we have this deeply ingrained concept that somehow receiving is not good. It's better to give than to receive. We, we shouldn't. And we say, no, no, please, I can't take this. You have that. Um, and so uh, if you think back, for example, to the last time someone gave you a compliment, I don't know what that was like for you. Um, Bob tells this wonderful story, which he experienced not long ago. He said he was working with his bookkeeper. She comes in twice a month to straighten out the books. And so she was there at the desk working, and Bob saw the pen she was using. It was a nice pen. He liked it. He said, you know, that's an interesting pen. Can you tell me where you got that? And she said, here, you can just take mine. And he said, no, 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 I don't, want, I don't want to take yours, but I just want to know where did you get it because I'd like to get one like it. She said, no, 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 you take this one. It's fine. He said, no, I couldn't take it. Said, why, why not? He said, that's your <laughs> pen. I wouldn't feel right. She said, Bob, it's a simple two-step process. One, take the pen. Two, say thank you. <laughs> and Bob went, oh, my gosh. Oh, it's my own book. And I, it, we have this thing where we shun receiving. We say, no, 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 I, I, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. You know, someone oh, says, thank you yeah. so much for helping, and we say, no, it's nothing. 
what a terrible thing to say. We're demeaning the gift. Right. The point that Joe realizes in this that last part of the book is when you give, it only works if the person on the other end receives. Every giving is also, from the other perspective, a receiving. They have to go together. In fact, if you say, no, no, please, I couldn't, what you're doing is you're shutting off the flow of giving on the other end. And this is what we see in really successful, abundant people. They're mm-hmm. extraordinarily generous. You know, the image of Ebenezer Scrooge is mostly fiction. Really uh, successful, and I mean financially successful people. Yeah, we're all down on Wall Street and executives take billions home in pay, and we see all that. But, you know, believe it or not, those are kind of the, the uh, distorted extremes of the scale that poison the whole well. But 98%. Uh, the people who are really doing quite well financially got that way by being very generous, by adding value to lots of people's lives, by being just like the mentor character in our book. And they're able to receive. They don't say, no, no, I can't take your gift. No, no, I can't take your compliment. No, no, I can't take your attention. No, no, I can't take your love. We need to be open to receiving because it's the only way we'll be able to keep giving. So well, we, you you just hit hit on something uh, that could take it? us into another entire half hour. Why don't you just give us in the last fifteen seconds uh, just just your uh, your final words to us? Uh, it, the final word, I guess, is this: is that we live in an ocean of humanity where no man is an island. John Don said, and it's so true. So the way that we become abundant in this world is by raising all the ships around us with us. We do that by giving abundantly and also by receiving from those around us. Well, that is absolutely wonderful. And I do want to get back together and and talk about the power of love, which you just uh, mentioned uh, oh so briefly. And, Mm. uh, you know, you shared uh, your friend Mark's book with me, and I am uh, absolutely blown away by it. And and, uh, we're going to talk about that another time. But thank you so, so much. And I'm now going to take just a real quick break before we turn to our last uh, guest on the show this morning. Thank you. And, oh, thank you so much, Sean. Uh, 